Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. So this weekend, sort of last minute, my family, my whole, my dad's side of the family, decided to go up to Maine, where we have a long-standing family house that we sort of share all together. And uh, it made me think about some of the stories that we tell while we're in Maine, because we tend to sell, tell the same ones. I don't know if you have that in your family, but you get together, and you just sort of loop of stories that you tell each other, and you all laugh the same way, and you tell the stories the same way, and you interrupt the stories in the same ways, and it's all just a big pile of fun. Well, one of those stories is about when I was like four or five, my mom took me out on Sebago Lake, which is the lake that the house is on. She took me out on Sebago Lake, just me and her going out in a canoe. Now, if you've ever done canoe with two people, it can be stressful because one person usually carries the weight of, I mean, literally carries the weight of making sure the canoe gets where you want it to go. So because my mom knew I was so young and probably wouldn't do much help in making sure we were going the right direction, my mom took the easy left-hand turn outside of the inlet where our family house is, which is great because it means you can pick up speed because it's consistent that the wind goes with you. So with the wind at our back, we went on a canoeing trip all along the coast of this lake, and my mom pointed out really beautiful parts of nature along this path and got to see some incredible sights. And then uh, we realized we were pretty far from home, and my mom realized she now needed to paddle back into the wind. So... My mom, being the kind of person that she is, who will never give up on anything, uh, turned around and started paddling. And she made it pretty well. We got right to the mouth of the little inlet to get back to uh, my family's house. And as soon as we got there, the wind gusted up. And because I was so light in the front, the nose of that canoe just drifted around. And suddenly we were going backwards again. Now my mom, incredibly strong and never giving up, decided to turn back around and started rowing back against the wind as hard as she could. And she got right to the edge of that inlet and the wind gusted up again and she turned the nose back. That went on for way too long. Depending on who tells the story, it could be hours, it could be days, uh, really, depending on how that story is told. But she kept doing this circle over and over and over again. And finally, the canoe up onto the beach and yelled for my dad to come carry it back to, uh, to the house just around the corner. But as I was thinking about this, it, um, I started thinking about how easy it is to let the winds carry us and how hard it is to paddle against them. You know what I mean? Christianity, faithfulness in general, has always, in its best moments, been a minority movement operating in resistance to a majority. Have you ever tried to, like, swim in a river? 
when I was a, a, a couple years ago, really, I did this thing called an adventure race, and we, part of this race was swimming across the Shenandoah River in Virginia. And I remember uh, seeing the river, and it looks, if you look at it, it looks peaceful and calm and easy, but as soon as you get in that water, you are swept. So I was fortunate enough to not be in the front of the pack because there are some real competitors out there, and I'm happy to follow behind. And so I saw these competitors jumping into the water and immediately starting to be swept down. And so as more and more people got in the water, we started going, having to go further and further upstream to be able to get to our destination on the other side. You know what I mean? Because as soon as you start swimming, trying to swim against the current is impossible. It'll wear you out. If you try to swim in a straight lane, a straight line across a river, you'll be swept away or you'll burn yourself out and wear yourself out so much that it's impossible to make it anywhere. Have you ever tried to swim in a river? That's sort of what it's like to live as a person of faith in a season like ours and every person of faith has experienced. There's this cultural pull that's easy to get swept up in. It's easy to be pulled in a direction of anger, cynicism, grief, pain. It's easy to be swept away, to let them overwhelm you, because in some ways it's just easier. Because living in a way that challenges the status quo is hard, especially when it feels like we're alone doing it. So what we have, I, I, I warned y'all, I mean, this is the sermon title. It's been in every email this week. We're talking about politics today, and I hope that's okay. If not, I'm happy to receive any emails that you may have. I'm happy to have any conversations with you that you may want to have. But I think it's important because in this country, we don't do a good job of talking about faith and politics at all. What too many people say when they talk about faith and politics, is that our nation should be a Christian nation. Have you heard this? There is no such thing as a Christian nation. The reality of nations, of empires, is about maintaining power over a people for some sense of control of them. And not, that's not always a bad thing, but the way even in America where freedom is a fundamental value that we hold as a nation, that is not the reality for many people living within it. I mean, now it's especially true, right? Half of our country no longer has full autonomy over their own bodies. Like, that's what we're talking about here. What does it mean for freedom as a value to be inherent to who we are when it isn't actually true? Nations maintain power structures. So having a Christian nation is almost antithetical because Christ is all about supporting, giving life to, offering life to the margins of society. So often living in total resistance to the pull of national identity. 
And we're lucky that our story of faith doesn't begin with Christ and end with Christ. It begins way earlier than that. And one of those characters is this trio, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and even Daniel, for whom this book is titled after. We have these characters who show what it means to live within an empire, within a nation that doesn't live up to the values inherent to who we are and how to do that in a faithful way. So Babylon is a symbol in a lot of scripture, but it was an actual place with the king Nebuchadnezzar. It's interesting to note that Nebuchadnezzar is described in most histories as being a really good emperor. It is our Bible that describes him as this sort of wild, crazy person. And I think that's important. But it's interesting to note, right? Because as people of faith, we're called to resistance to empire. So what do we do? We build up the character of the empire and the person leading it to be the embodiment of evil in order to give us some clarity around where margins and boundaries exist for our faithfulness. Does it mean we should see the broader perspective? Absolutely. But it also means that we should live faithfully within these systems that are, are being built up. So Babylon is described as being absolutely heinous and horrible, both by Daniel, but also by our book of Revelation. And really, anywhere where Babylon, Babylon shows up in the Bible, it is about Babylon bringing destruction to the people of faith, always. And really, Babylon is being used as a tool of God's to bring uh, comeuppance to the nation of Israel, right? So these nations become tools for the judgment over our lack of faithfulness. And what does it mean to be to lack faith? It means to not live up to the standard of faithfulness set. I'm being complicated. Because it's important to be complicated. Too much of our thinking about politics is black and white, good, evil. And I don't think that's what we're called to. Daniel himself, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego themselves, they are living as servants to the king Nebuchadnezzar. The only reason they are living as servants to the king Nebuchadnezzar is because they were a part of a ruling elite within Israel. And because of their position as a part of the ruling elite, as a part of David's tribe, a part of what would become Jesus's tribe of people in particular, being in power in this direct lineage, it means that in many ways they were a part of the problem in the nation from which they came. You see, if Babylon is a tool to bring comeuppance to Israel, those sent into exile, the leaders of Israel sent into exile, are a part of that story. There are most of our prophets talk about God's judgment, not over other nations, but over Israel for their lack of care for women, for children for people who are held on the margins of society, for hoarding wealth and enslaving their own people, those judgments are over the ruling class, not over the people being held as slaves by their own kin. Do you see? It's more complicated than Babylon bad, Israel good. Or You see, 
power held even among people of faith in a way that maintains power and control over the rest of the world is never good. And so Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are sent as exiles as a part of a ruling elite to Babylon. Daniel has the gift of being able to interpret dreams, which Nebuchadnezzar uses. And they begin to learn what it means to live resistant lives within a larger structure. Do you see what God's doing here? The ruling elite, who had been a part of the problem where they had come from, being sent into exile, and what do they learn there? They learn simple acts of faithfulness in the midst of incredibly torrent seas. They learn how to resist the pull of power and influence in exile. And the hope, and we'll see this later in Daniel if you were to keep reading, and I'm sure that'll be part of the discussion when Jim's leading back in the classroom if you want to be part of that ongoing conversation. But there's a vision for these people who are in exile to one day be given their kingdom back. And what they're doing in Babylon is learning lessons about how to live faithfully when the tide of public opinion and discourse is pulling towards violence, towards oppression, towards all terrible things, so that when they get back to their promised land, when they're able to start rebuilding again, they do it with the strength of faith, a conviction that all of these evils that they've experienced would never happen in their own community. You see what's happening here. Babylon is being used as a tool by God to change not only the scope of Israel in our own history, but it's being used to change the very hearts and minds and lives of these four people who serve as pivotal, pivotal characters in the direction of our own faithful story. You see, it's not just a story about, uh, uh, about Nebuchadnezzar being evil and throwing these faithful folks into the fire. It's about the redemption of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had been beneficiaries to a system falling apart. And even in the midst of their participation in an evil, when they had the power to wield it, even when they allowed themselves to be pulled by the whims of their own need for power or wealth or status, even with all of those things weighing their shoulders down, when they stand firm before Nebuchadnezzar, trusting that God will bring them through, whether it's in death or in life, to a renewed vision of the world, promising that they would never bow down to this statue that's not even being described as anything. They finally learn what it means to be faithful, to stand as resistant to the whims of empire. It's a powerful message, not just about how God releases them from the furnace, although that's what VeggieTales would have us take from it. It's a lesson to learn about God's character and vision for our lives. 
that no matter how we've been corrupted by the need for power or wealth or influence or whatever, even just a felt sense of safety that we can control for ourselves, no matter how we've wielded these things against other people, God will continue to show up for us because God is faithful in all things. So when you find yourself in a burning fire, a flaming furnace, when everything seems to be falling apart, when we see nothing but news stories about violence against children and decisions being made about women and their lives, about how we're supposed to live in the world and the threat of violence and the threat of injustice coming to every person, whether it comes from the Supreme Court or from our neighbor, God shows up. That's the story that we see in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that we're offered an opportunity for new life at every step when we're able to swim against the currents of the stream. We'll never be alone in that. And while it's easier to let go and just be swept up, God meets us when we start begin to paddle back in the water and pushing against the wind that threatens to turn us aside. That's where God is most present. When the people of faith intentionally resist the need to be constantly pulled towards our own well-being, but instead can live in such a way that Trust, faith, grace, hope, all we know. Do you see how beautiful the story is? Nebuchadnezzar isn't the point. Babylon isn't the point. It's three descendants of David part of a chosen tribe who had been exiled, if you would read the prophets, who had been exiled because of their lack of faith. Learning how to look at the inevitability of their own life coming to an end and choosing, maybe for the first time, to speak words of faith rather than bowing down to whatever golden calf, whatever golden statue has been built up. Do you see how important this is for our own lives? May we never be swept up by the whims of public discourse. And may we be resolute with thoughtfulness and prayers as we lean towards a life that is hard but is never lonely. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.
Would you join me in a prayer of confession? God of wholeness, breath of creation, your own image dwells within each of us, yet too often we fail to see it. Forgive us when we forget to look for your face and another's, or when we find it but look away. Speak your reassurance to us when we struggle to see your image within. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and open our hearts to see the goodness of all your creation. Amen.